The first Sunday in Advent is the new year of the Christian calendar. Each year I say to you on Advent Sunday 1, Happy New Year! And it feels like a, you know arcane religious joke. But in reality, that's what we have done in a way here at Shiloh that kind of supersedes the Advent sense of it. This is the anniversary of the birth of Shiloh Church of Jasper. This is the first anniversary of Shiloh Church of Jasper, which occurred last year on December 1st. And that didn't change a lot, as most of you know, and that will, I think, be a comfort to you, but I don't want you to miss everything we've been through. And so this is why we're having the family meeting next week on Sunday during the hour from 9 to 10, we'll have a meeting in the Life Center for you to recall everything that we've been through so far and especially everything that we're aiming towards going forward. So this really is an important family meeting that I hope all of you will make sure you attend. In the meantime, today I want to just give you my uh, biblical perspective on things. As you have heard me say many times, the, uh, the goal that I've always had as a pastor is to help people see things through the biblical Christian worldview because it's easy to see what the world that is, you know, the people of the flesh want you to see, but it takes a little more effort for us to see the world through the lens of Scripture and the Holy Spirit in this Christian doctrine of ours. So I want to invite you to look at those notes, especially because I've very methodically laid out how Advent and the Old and New Testament aligns with our spiritual journey as the Shiloh family that, that is all woven together. And heck, I wrote one line here that I just have to share because I like it. You know, every now and again, if you like to write, you write something you're just proud of, right? So let's see if you agree with me or not. Today, as we gather before the Lord to embark on a reflective journey, one woven with the threads of our own story as the Shiloh family and the sanctified narratives of Scripture. Isn't that eloquent? <laughs> if I do say so myself, right? Popping buttons here. So... I have often referred to this journey we've been on together the last seven and a half years as a uh, kind of exodus and wilderness wandering. And there have been times when I've been tempted to think that we were ready to cross the Jordan and enter into the promised land, and then I've sort of, you know, put my toe in the water and, nope, nope, not yet. And I finally have come to the conclusion that it may not be so cut and dried as that, that we might find ourselves looking at this journey in a variety of ways, and which is why I decided to broaden my scope here. So certainly we are like the Israelites in that we have chosen very deliberately to leave behind the world of the flesh, which is in the Old Testament characterized as Egypt. Egypt in the Old Testament represents the gods of the air, the gods of the world. Uh, the Egyptians were 
representative of everything humanist and everything that was anti Yahweh, you know, everything that was in opposition to God. And the people of Israel had been a captive people, and they were not only captive in slavery, but they were captive in their minds and their hearts. Their hearts and minds had been co-opted by the world that they lived in, and they were so subjugated by that that they didn't even know how bad they had it. And so when they came out of Egypt, they had witnessed the systematic destruction of all the false gods through the plagues. And then they had watched as Egypt was destroyed. And then they went into the wilderness and they had to watch as the power of their true God was revealed. Now we can certainly say that we've seen things like that here in the life of this church. If you dedicate this religious institution and its buildings and grounds and all the things that we did together in the name of Jesus Christ, if that's our dedication, then we will certainly witness the struggle between the flesh and the supernatural, between the spirit of the air and the spirit of Advent, the spirit of the coming of the Lord. And this is what we are working our way through right now. And so we look at this uh, passage that is remarkably both in the Old Testament and the New Testament that says, in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for God. And then you might recall that speaking of John the Baptist, there was a voice in the wilderness that cried out, prepare the way of the Lord and make paths straight. So what we've been doing together throughout these last 10 years or so, even before I came, is trying to work out the kinks, trying to straighten the path to the Lord. And that's a kind of Advent, you know, because Advent isn't just about waiting, it's about anticipating and moving towards what you're anticipating. So when we think about Advent, we're thinking about the coming of the Lord in in a very literal sense, but we're also thinking about how we're deliberately making our way straight toward the Lord. It's as though we're looking to intercept Christ on the way. So that is part of what we've been going through as a Christian family here along this journey. The promised land is, in our case, the Advent promise. And by that we mean, again, that we anticipate the coming of Christ, his return. And the sense that we are in the wilderness in our journey is only relevant to the extent that it represents that place of trying and refining and perfecting in order that you can straighten your path and be ready to encounter Christ. To put it in a much more blunt, blunt way, the truth is, is the Lord could appear at any moment. And we know a little bit about things we're supposed to look for and anticipate, and that would make for a great discussion some other time. But for now, just accept the fact that Jesus told his disciples, that includes us, that we shouldn't worry too much about when that will be because it will come without warning. 
there will be a instantaneous transformation when he comes. So how ready are you for that? See, the wilderness is about being refined to that end, right? This is what being in the wilderness is about. Now, that takes me to the next step in our journey, which that I, I'd like to acknowledge is that Shiloh certainly had last year at this time made a deliberate exodus from a culture that we no longer felt comfortable with, a culture that seemed to us to be far more devoted to the flesh and the things of the world than what it professed to be. And so we chose to go courageously into the wilderness and head for something greater toward the advent of Christ, towards the presence of Christ in us, in the Holy Spirit. And just like the wilderness journey of Israel, that came with losses. It, there were disagreements and there were people who wanted to go back to Egypt and there were people who rebelled. There were people we lost in the wilderness. And at some point we had to just grieve those losses and then move on. And we did. It wasn't easy, but this is what we mean by the refining nature of the wilderness. We will be made stronger through the refiner's fire. We will be more pure as the refining process removes the dross and leaves behind the gold. Shiloh's exodus then created for us a family that represents itself as Shiloh Church of Jasper now. But in truth, we're still the same people. And most of you who have been here throughout the last several years, like me, don't feel that different. But I bet, like me, you do feel a sense of relief, a sense of having your burden lightened because you've been forced to stop and look at all the baggage you're carrying and decide how much you're willing to lug around in the wilderness for the next 40 years or so. That's, that's kind of what the wilderness does, is it makes you a little leaner and tougher, but it also changes your perspective on things. And one of the things that we've had to learn as a Christian family here at Shiloh is to focus on what we have and how we can leverage that for our vision, to make this place useful in the Lord's hands is to say, Lord, it's not our building, it's not our stuff, it's yours. How do you want to use it? And that's why it's so important to us, for example, to support institutions like the Dove House. It's one of the reasons that we have the giving tree out there. It's one of the reasons that we will continue to invite people to use our facilities to experience not only whatever the space will make possible for them, but our hospitality in the name of Christ. Because the next thing I want you to understand about the advent of Christ is he's come once already in the flesh. And ironically, we Christians make a big deal about his first arrival and we really enjoy all the sentiment that goes with that. Now, I'm not trying to mock, but let's just be honest with each other. 
as we always try to do. The reality is, is we enjoy Christmas. The whole world enjoys Christmas. Everybody loves Christmas. And the irony is, is that it has become so commercial and so secular and so unchristian in nature, even in churches, that it's kind of sad, maybe even a little pathetic. And I struggled with that for years, 20-something years ago, especially when I was still pretty new at the ministry game, and I was thinking, you know, I'm going to fix this. <laughs> I realize now that that went a lot like it would have gone if I tried to fix the Advent candles in front of you. So that's why I know better now, because I thought I could fix that, and I found out that it's really just a comical mess, and if it involves fire, it's dangerous too. So what I've realized now is that you can't change how the world has redefined Christmas, not even in the church, but what you can do is fine-tune your heart. You know, my favorite line in the, the beautiful Christmas hymn in the bleak midwinter is the one where the, the singer of the song pleads, what can I give him? And the answer is, give him my heart. Because that you can do. And that is the thing that makes all the difference. Give him your heart. And if we're honest, just like the people of the Exodus, we're struggling with who really owns our heart. The world of the flesh or the Lord God. Well, the first advent brought about the birth of Jesus in the flesh. And the whole miracle of that story, as we talked about when we celebrated Mary last week, is that it's a miracle of God becoming flesh. God incarnate is what we call it in church speak, and that's this the miracle of God being come, becoming one of us. But the thing about that is, is that it ultimately leads to us becoming like God. See, that's not where it stops. He becomes like us in the flesh, but he then creates a way for us to become like him in spirit. And in that way, we are people of a new advent or the second advent. We're looking for Christ to come, literally to return as he says he will. But in the meantime, every one of us lives with this potentiality that he will physically return in our lifetime, but we all can live with the certainty that he can come in us, that he can be in us right now. And this is where many of us Christians fall short. This is where we choose the world's version of Christmas. But what he's really asking you to do this Christmas is to let him be born in you so that you become like him, a representation of God in the flesh. Now, you can't be Christ, obviously, and neither can I, but what you can be is the closest thing the world is ever going to encounter at times to Christ in the flesh. See, the reality of the advent of what we are becoming is that it will be, for many people, the encounters they have with Christian believers like you that give them a sense of who Christ is first. Uh, let's see. 
I wrote this one down, and it's not a bad line either, so let me read it. The world encounters Christ through us first and then by indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, you will encounter people just as Adrian described and be for them the closest thing to Jesus they've ever met. And if it goes well and their hearts are ready, they will receive the Holy Spirit and actually encounter Christ. But their first step towards meeting Christ will almost always be someone like you. Which means that the advent we look forward to as Christian believers in 2023 is that he would be alive in us, that he would be born in us just as he was born through Mary. And therefore, we become that very representation of Christ that someone needs to encounter. And you know, as much as I admire and appreciate the technique that was described, I would be inclined to tell you that before you develop a technique, you got to go back to that bleak midwinter song. You got to give him your heart. And you will be astonished at how much influence you have for Christ as a representative of Christ simply because your heart has changed. You've heard me say this at other times and in other ways, but it bears repeating often. Most of the people you know aren't interested in the Christ you want them to meet because they can't see that he's done anything to change you that much. And the reality is, is when they can't miss what he's done in you, they're already intrigued. Think about that. You know, we all want the same thing and it's going to come out next week in our family meeting. We all want this church to grow and in particular with more and more younger people with children. And we're willing to, well, we're gonna talk about whether we're willing next week, but I have a feeling we are. We're willing, us old folks, to move and do whatever we can to make this a place where young people with children and young people who are not there yet, but will be one day or whatever. We want the young to come to Jesus and we want them to be the next generation of people in these pews. We're accepting as older members that if our generation passes in the wilderness, the generation we accommodate and equip will take over the promise. And that's okay. Because one day, you young people can't imagine it yet, but I promise you, it snuck up on me, it'll sneak up on you. One day, you'll say, we need to move out of the way and create opportunity. I have to say this, and then I want to quit, because this is not on my notes, but it's something I told somebody recently that I think I want to say publicly now. If I could talk to young adults in the community who are seeking Christ or seeking something meaningful that they know will come through what they've heard and believed about Christianity. It's, it's really a weird time right now because there's a lot of young people who don't have a lot of faith in our institutions or people like me who have, as Tim Hawkins said, people like me who have been pasteurized. You know, they don't have a lot of confidence in us for various reasons, and I think they're justified in that. 
But if I could find a group of young people with, you know, somewhere between 20 and 40 and, and, and listen to them, if I would say one thing to them, it would be this. If I told you that I'll give you the keys to the building, that I will give you authority over me and the leadership of this church, and you make this what you think it needs to be, what would you do? You know, what would you tell me to do? What would you do with the building? What would you do with our ministries? What would you change about what, how we worship? I mean, I really want to know. I really want to know. I want to know what the future leaders of this church think we should be doing right now. Because this is about Advent. It's about what's coming. And us making straight the path to that. So this is my sort of pre-family meeting message today. Next week, you'll hear a lot of great information. And uh, I don't know what I'll talk about. I'll probably figure it out next Sunday morning. But in the meantime, let us pray that God's word is clear and spoken from his spirit to your spirit now. Almighty God, thank you for the testimony of your word in its power to change our nature. Let it also change this body, the use of this building and grounds. Lord, we genuinely want to lay the groundwork for future generations of your chosen people. Please help us. Amen. Amen.